I'm here today with uh, Ruby Axelson, so which is a great pleasure. So, hello, Ruby. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Good, 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 good. Um, obviously, here to discuss the concepts of self-development, self-management, and future-proofing uh, yourself. And I'm really keen to find out how Ruby's developed and self-managed herself in her education and career, and to find out, you know, so perhaps some stories along the way, um, some things that have gone well and things that haven't gone so well. Also, what great advice she's been given, and um, perhaps what great advice she's given other people as well. <laughs> and also with hindsight, which is always a wonderful thing, um, is there anything she would have done differently? And then to finish off with, really intrigued to find out about how Ruby sees the future of her profession um, and how it adapts and changes. And also with regards to her own career and keeping up and keeping relevant and keeping all the skills going not just the technical skills in terms of uh, her, her legal expertise, but with regards to technology and socialising uh, and social skills in communicating with all the different types of people that she does. So to kick start off with, give us a quick overview of, um, yeah, your education and career today. What have you been up to? Okay, well, I did a degree in law from Sussex University. And then after that, I did a master's in international law, um, which I loved and was very, very academically fulfilling. Um, I then was an intern on the defense case of Ratko Mladic um, at the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. I did that for six months and then I got another internship with an organization called Global Rights Compliance. And I did that for six months or a bit less than six months. And then when I was there, um, I worked with my current boss, uh, Wayne Jordash, who's a QC from, from the UK. And he offered me a role as his assistant um, for six months, which I obviously took and, and it was a great six months. And while I was working with him, um, a case that he had been working on previously, the appeal came out and they ordered a retrial. Um, so he then offered me a job on that retrial, um, again at the ICTY, the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia. Um, so it went for a full retrial, um, much to <laughs> um, his, his shock. Um, he had to do the whole trial again, but I, I just joined for the retrial. So it was all new for me. Um, and I've worked there ever since. So I work, I'm still a legal assistant on that case. And we're sort of finishing the evidence now, really. Um, and then we are going to do the final trial brief and then there'll be the, the judgment. I also work, continue my work with Global Rights Compliance, which Wayne also runs. Um, and I'm a legal consultant there. So I do a lot of other projects with them as well. So I sort of have wow. um, a dual role with, with Wayne, um, with, with the case and also Global Rights Compliance, which, and Global Rights Compliance is sort of a legal organization working in um, accountability and um, human rights for sort of uh, international crimes. Wow. So if I could sort of take you back a bit to your days in education, what, what was the appeal to go into the legal profession? I think there was less of an appeal to go into the legal profession. And I think um, I've sort of always shied a little bit away from the legal profession. I still haven't actually qualified 
as a barrister yet, which is something that I kind of need to do. But I'm also the whole doing the bar. It's all a bit, I don't know. I think it's a bit hierarchical for me. Um, but what I have always wanted to do, and I think this is from when I was like very young, I always wanted to work in international human rights. I didn't really have the language to know what it was um, when I was younger, but sort of the idea of working in human rights and, and war and things like that. And then as I got older, I uh, realized that there was this whole legal uh, framework under which that, that sort of all comes, which is international criminal law. Um, and so international humanitarian law. So that's sort of why I wanted to go into it um, and why I chose my law degree when i was doing my law degree i mean i wasn't particularly interested in any of the domestic law things that we studied i, I quite liked eu law and i quite liked criminal law but i was really waiting to, for my third year where i could uh do electives and choose human rights and international law and then when i did my masters i specialized in just international law um so that was really where I wanted to go from quite a young age. I just didn't really, yeah, I didn't know how to articulate it at that yeah. age. You don't yeah. know there's this big yeah. And with hindsight, has it been the right choice? Yeah, I think with yeah. hindsight, I really, <laughs> I don't know what other job I could do. I think I'd probably be pretty rubbish at any other job in the world. <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't, but you just wouldn't have the same passion. Yeah, I think- And I you, think would, that, and you wouldn't be so successful at it. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think, I mean, it, it's really important to really care about what you're doing. And it's really the only thing that motivates me to, to do more. I probably would, I would never be motivated to be a corporate lawyer, although I could probably earn quite a lot more money. I, yeah. would, I don't think I would get out of bed every day and do all of the extra stuff that you have to do to be successful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But I always, and I say this to a lot of people, that is a great definition of success is doing something you've got a passion for i meet you know so many people who just have a job um yeah. and they don't really and you know getting out of bed on a monday and going to work and they wish it was monday they wish it was friday and when they get to friday thank god it's friday i mean yeah no that's, I can't. That, that, that's a tough existence so um obviously during your studying and now you've got the reality of doing this role is there much difference in the expectation and the reality of you know, the transition through the education and through your studies mm -hmm. to actually now performing your, your career? Yeah, I think, I think there is. I think when I was um, studying, it was so far away almost. And the people that were doing it were, were just, it, it felt like such a different world that I could ever be in. And that was very daunting really, because you know, you think of the United Nations and it's just so um, unrelated to your normal life. And then, so it, it's it's different because once you get there, you know, you realise that it's normal people working in it and yeah. um, it, it becomes a lot less daunting. So I think that's probably how my, um, one of the ways that my expectations are a bit different, you know, to know that people are just normal working in that environment. Um, but in terms of the work, um, I think it's different in the sense that I've realised how diverse it is, how many different things there are to do. There's not just one route into working in international law. There's a million different things that you can do. So it's more diverse in that sense. 
yeah, um, yeah. but yeah just as much hard work as I thought it would be gosh yeah yes which <laughs> I it, it, yeah I know it's been a hell of a lot of hard work so is there anything you wish you'd known at the start of your career I honestly I think if someone had just said don't worry in five years time you will have a job then I think I would have been so much more happy <laughs> because I think it was you know it was a really um, is so daunting when you have sort of set a target to, to sort of go into international law. It is so far away from your normal life. And I spent a lot of time thinking, well, I, am I even going to make it? Like, it's, it wasn't for me about making it to be the best international lawyer. It was literally, yeah. am I going to get a job in this? Like, is it realistic? So I think if I'd have just known that it was it would have caused a lot of less stress um, yeah. so i wish i'd yeah. known that um yeah. but yeah I, and i think i wish i'd had maybe a bit more confidence that it would happen and so that i could have relaxed and enjoyed it a little bit more yeah. um, so on that journey what's what's been the best advice you've been given by someone um i think the best advice is probably to just take every opportunity and trust that when, if you take every opportunity one of those opportunities will turn into something good so when for example and this actually comes from my mum <laughs> so when i was in when i was an intern I, and i i have got a, as you probably know i will catastrophize these things so when i was an intern and i was working um, for free and I didn't feel like I was going to get a job that was really p hard time personally because you know you you think well I'm, I'm just never gonna make it I'm never gonna get a job I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like stop this dream yeah. um, and mum would always say just take every opportunity and one of those opportunities will will turn into something and it did and that's how you know every step of the way has always been because you know, because I started off as an intern and then from that internship, Wayne offered me a six months job. And then from that, which I took, and then during that, you know, it, he offered me another longer term position. And it, so, so it's grown. And I wouldn't have got that if I hadn't have taken the opportunities, even when those opportunities weren't the easiest opportunities to take, you know, yeah. working for free was not particularly easy. Moving to Holland was not particularly easy, but building on all of these different things I think and taking the opportunity is how you sort of get success yeah and I dare say you've demonstrated a great work ethic as well along the along the line of that as well which people that you work with must appreciate yeah I, I always say because I I, I um, have a lot of interns in my job now and I think they sort of appreciate my my view on it because I'm so close to their age yeah um, you know, when Wayne, for example, gives them advice, it's great advice, obviously, because he's a top lawyer and they obviously really appreciate it. But when I give them advice, it's almost, I'm so close to their age, it's more tangible. And I always say to them, it's really a mixture of taking all of the opportunities that are put in front of you and having trust that one of them will turn into something else, but also yeah. hard work. Like hard work is so much more important than like natural intelligence. <laughs> well, that's that's the same in so many different environments, and you know, especially the sporting world. Um, you know, it's not always the most talented person that you know has the great success. It's the person that applies it and tries their hardest. And and it's really interesting what you said about helping other interns. And we'll come back and talk about that because 
I do a lot of sessions in local colleges and schools, you know, helping people prepare themselves um, for the working world and, um, you know, getting them to think about what careers they want to do. But they don't really want to listen to me. They want to listen to your generation. Um, and I think that's so right. And I've, I've been trying to encourage some younger adults to go back into their schools that they were at and say, look, I'm, I'm a living proof because they don't want to hear it from a 50 year old. They need to hear it from people that they can relate to so much easily and sort of it becomes more tangible. And I, I think, yeah, perhaps there's, um, there's more opportunities for you there to, to act more as a mentor for other people as well. Yeah, I think having mentors is so important. Like I know that I've got people, well, at first I've got Wayne who, who always helps me, but I've also got people that are sort of bridge the gap between me and Wayne and, and help mentor me to get to the next step. And I think that's really important. So I think it's really important that people my age uh, and all, all levels of the career are always looking to the, to the people coming up below them and sort of giving them a helping hand yeah. up, especially yeah. women. Um, helping yeah. it come up because I think someone said to me once that to be a successful woman in international law you have to be twice as good as the successful man next to you which I think is true so helping women up as well is is something that we try and do um, in the organization I work with and also um, I just my university actually just asked me to do a podcast about Excellent. sort of this um, because they had to cancel all their career days. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting was when I was talking, they had asked me to talk about all the extracurriculum stuff that I did at university, because I think that there's a perception that when you're really successful, you've not really had much fun. But I was, and also, and, and, the, and especially when I, was in, when I was at university, I was so worried about all the stuff that I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing a mini pupillage. I wasn't doing, all of this unpaid work mainly because I was working in Waitrose but I was so worried about all that stuff so so I said on this podcast I was like you know like when I was your age I didn't do any of the extracurriculum things that I was meant to do like it's fine like don't panic about it so I think also having that like non-perfect advice is also good you know people yeah. that see that yeah. you have to be perfect to be successful but also, I think for, for a lot of organisations, they'd prefer you to have the Waitrose experience because it shows you've got a work ethic. Yeah, and it's really interesting, actually. When I when I see um, interns, you can people that have worked in Waitrose or wherever it is. Um, it, it really to this day, I have skills that I learned in Waitrose. Oh which, yeah, like I'm never late because. Yeah. And I'm in a job where I can be late because no one would, no one would yeah. sort of, you know, I have that freedom. Yeah. But you have a work ethic that goes from working in a job like that since you were yeah. 15, I worked at where you chose. So, yeah. And there are so many people that do leave university that, okay, okay they've got quite a good degree and whatever, because they've got no work experience, yeah. people don't want to take a gamble on them. And I don't think this has driven in enough, you know, the whole concept of, you know, doesn't matter what the experience is, you know, if you've got a good story of why you had to do that and why you did it and what, how you've learned from that, I think, um, yeah, people, when they're employing you, you know, certainly, certainly when I interview people, that, that's, uh, that's a, a good plus rather than that they've, what's the word, you know, been doing lots of jollies, doing this, that and the other. I think the work ethic is, is very important. So 
what what bits so far have you really enjoyed the most? Obviously, you're doing something you've got a great passion for, you've got great beliefs, you've got great values towards it all. So what have you really enjoyed most? I think I think, um, I ah! think being on the case, I think being able to see an international case from the beginning, and I will see it to the end, we're not quite there yet, it's quite a long um, four-year marathon but i think having that experience of seeing it the whole way through is quite unique um people are often just pulled in for a little part of it so to to go the whole way through and see the whole process from start to to end um i really value that experience and i think yeah. that's something that i'll always um have on my cv and will always be a real a real bonus to to build on on my cv um yes so, yeah yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And the most challenging aspects? Um, how hard you have to work. <laughs> Having the motivation to be at work at two o'clock in the morning, um, knowing that you're going to be there at seven o'clock the next day. And it's not like that all the time, but when you've got a deadline, it can really get... Um, it can it can get get like that yeah. those long days and there's missed events with your friends there's you know there was moving abroad there was a lot of things that you have to sort of change your lifestyle to ensure that yeah. you're doing that and also you have to be doing your own job um, and you have to be doing that to the best of your ability but also reading about what's going on so you're up to date so that you're you 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 have interesting things to say um because you know, the, the, the case I'm working on is relevant to Yugoslavia. So I need to know that I need to be doing my job really well. And that often involves late nights and early mornings and weekend work. Um, but I also, to be relevant, I need to know about what's going on in Syria, what's going on in yes, with yeah. the Rohingya. Like you need to know all of this other stuff. And there's so much that you can read and so much, um, that you can learn about so yeah. you have to you know come from a really hard week at work and then also have the motivation to think okay well it's a sunday and i'm going to sort of read around the topic and like yeah. keep learning so that that can sometimes be really hard when you want to be at the pub with your friends yeah and also you have done quite a few interns without being paid yeah oh that was definitely the hardest aspect or sort of period um working for free I mean I was I was lucky because you know mum and dad helped me and I also yeah. had savings from working for years in Waitrose I knew that I needed those savings um but it was still financially difficult like I was not doing anything that my friends were doing because I was saving every single penny that I yeah. could yeah. but also it was emotionally so tiring because the first internship was fine it's exciting the second internship, I mean, I still enjoyed the work, but you're sort of like, okay, well, I've done this for a year now. You're also applying for jobs all the time, which takes up a lot of your time and energy. And you're not even getting replies. Like you, you, you're not getting replies. You're not, you're not even getting an email to say, sorry, we're not accepting you. You're just not hearing anything. Um, mm -hmm. You're applying for other internships, which you're sort of, 
getting offers but you think well can I do another six months of unpaid and will mm -hmm. I be in a better position uh, from doing 18 months of free work than I would be doing a year of free work yeah. and so that was really emotionally um I well I found it emotionally quite stressful and like not a very nice period yeah. um, I really enjoyed both of the internships it wasn't the internships that I didn't enjoy it was the self-confidence um so what would you say that you've learned about Ruby? What have you really learned about yourself as a person during this, this part of your career? I think how much I wanted to be an international lawyer. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think that, that was what I learned really. That I, I'm, I was pretty confident that I would be able to sustain quite a lot in order to, to do it in the end. So. To make it happen. Yeah. I think that was what I thought. And I, I, I think there was, there was, I mean, I did think in quite a, like quite a lot, like, oh, I just don't think this is going to happen. I'll have to find something else to do. Yeah. But I just, however much I thought about that, I couldn't think of what that other thing would be. I just didn't know. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of, it makes, if you can't think of one other thing in the whole world that you want to do, it probably means that you really want to do what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Also, do you, how often do you sit and reflect and think, do you know what, I've done bloody well here. Do, 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 you, do you reflect on what you have done and how great it has been in terms of what you've gone through to get to where you've got to? I think, I mean, I don't, not that often, but I think sometimes I will be just going to work and, or, or things like this, which, which make you think and you think, oh, wow, like, I'm actually doing what I want to do. And I often get it actually when I'm sort of flying back and forth yeah. because I, I think I, I've realized that that sort of flying back and forth suits me quite well. Yeah. Um, my personality sort of yeah. going back and forth. Other people are like, how do you do it? And I'm like, oh, I, I quite enjoy it actually, you know, spending a few days in London and then a few days in Holland. Yeah. But quite often when I'm doing that, I'm really like, wow, I'm really living the life of Riley here. Like I'm really, <laughs> I'm like really doing what I want to do. I've like, I've got it pretty good. <laughs> and does that give you a lot of resilience and confidence to look back and think, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's been a tough journey getting here, but I've got here and I should be very proud of myself. You know, does that give you some good resilience and confidence in that? Yeah, I think so. I think like my, I think really my confidence in the last year, because I think I've always been quite unconfident um, in terms of work and, and in that sense. And I think in the last year, I've noticed that I'm sort of becoming to feel a little bit more settled and also like I deserve to be where I am. I always, people used to ask me like, oh, how, how did you get your job? And I would always just say, oh, it was luck. Like it was luck. And now I'm a bit like, Mm, it was luck because I was in the right place at the right time. But it That's was only because you made that happen, though. Yeah, and, and and I never really recognised that. I think I was quite not very confident, um, and now I think I'm sort of starting to be a little bit more confident, but also a little bit more relaxed and sort of yeah. feeling like okay, like I'm here, it's fine, like yeah. breathe, like you know, it's okay. Um, and also, you know, when you are when you do something that you really enjoy and you um, produce a bit of work that you're really proud of, that sort of, that feeling of, of when, it's, when it's out there, when you've done it, when it's finished, when you've, you've hit the deadline and you've done a bit of work that you're really proud of, that sort of makes you forget that 
three nights ago, you were up at four in the morning crying your eyes out because you didn't think you were going to make the deadline. So you sort of yeah. have that, like, uh, you forget that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, so that's brilliant. That's talked about, you know, how you've got to where you've got to, but now let's talk a little bit about the future. So thinking about your working environment and what you do and how you work, do you see that changing in the next few years at all? You know, I mean, will it develop and change more in terms of yeah, ways of working, technology, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, well, um, in term, do you mean in terms of like how we work or me personally? Well, how you work as a profession first and then think, then the next question will be, you know, how will Ruby you know, continue to future-proof herself so she is of value and relevance? I think it's, it's definitely changing and, and with technology, of course, it completely changes the way that um, wars and, and the collection of evidence is sort of undertaken. I mean, with, with the case that I'm working on was obviously in the 90s, so that's before everyone had a phone and, and so the investigations that they conducted um, back in the 90s um, for these to build these cases were a lot different they had professional investigators um, they were doing sort of what you would describe as more typical investigations whereas now there's a fact that there is more uh, there is more minutes of um, footage of the Syrian war on YouTube than that than the Syrian war has actually been going on I think that's the, the so it just shows that anyone um whenever there is any sort of atrocity or during a war or anything everyone's on their phone filming it and that's all evidence so the way that evidence is being collected and and also how much we know about wars you know if there's there's an uh, atrocity happens in yemen we'll know about it that day because it will be all over our our um, news and 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 there'll be videos of it and and everyone will see it. So it, that's changed a lot. And it, one of the ways that we have we're, we're sort of in in our company trying to work with that is we have created an app um, because one of the things that this this sort of um, this trend has seen is people that aren't professional investigators collecting evidence um, while they're there because they have more access to the crime scenes and they're, and they're on their phone so they're collecting evidence and this evidence is then being given um, at a later date might be used in trials and so the whole system has sort of changed in that way um, but obviously for that evidence to be useful uh, it needs to be collected to, to standards that will be acceptable in an in, in international criminal trial mm -hmm. so one of the ways we've tried to respond to this is to create an app um, which is for um, sort of lower capacity documenters who may not have the professional training um, of the International Criminal Court, for example, um, who are collecting evidence to try and ensure that they are collecting it to best practice standards and so that that evidence can be collected, stored, saved um, and handled appropriately so that when there is opportunities for criminal trials or any other form of accountability, that evidence can be used. So that's one of the ways that we're trying to respond to that. And I think that we'll only see that increasing as, as we sort of go on. We don't mm. know what 
other technology will be used in the future and how that will affect criminal trials, especially um, trials that are that are sort of dealing with with mass atrocities. Yeah. Wow. And therefore, as a, as a person in this happening, is there anything you feel that you need to continue to work on to keep yourself up to date and relevant and of value to yeah i think um i'm not the most technical of people um so i think learning continuously how um technology does affect um does affect sort of trials and how it will affect the collection of evidence like i that's something constantly that i definitely don't know enough about and is also changing so you have to continuously learn it and it's also very novel um you know it's very novel that sort of videos that have been posted on social media can now be used as evidence and and so Gosh. everyone's sort of learning how it's actually going to play out in in criminal trials and how that evidence is going to um, be be deemed admissible so everyone's sort of continuously learning and on a more on a much more personal level I feel like I, I'm still very much at the beginning of my career and I need to have a lot more experience um, sort of doing it practically and, and sort of seeing how things work in practice because um, I think that's something that you can always develop. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you. That's been that's been very impressive. Actually, I've really enjoyed that. Um, you know, what I particularly like is, you know, your sort of determination to to make it to where you've got to, and sort of taking those opportunities and that resilience that you've demonstrated. And especially, you know, how many people can really look back and say they would have worked for that period of time without getting paid? Um, I'm sitting here thinking, not sure I could do that. And I think that does that does mean a lot. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, giving your advice to the interns, I think that's so important. And if you, you know, do the stuff with your university, I think that's so important. And you talked a lot about, yeah, the, the importance of mentors. And I think, you know, I, I'm always talking about networking, but I mean having people that you can trust and go and have those conversations with. And I love the, the passion and the energy you have and the hard work that you've given for it. And I think that's... Uh, really important to all of us that you know it does sometimes need some blooming hard work to get there you know <laughs> there's all these things on the internet you know follow these six steps to easy success <laughs> you know the only person who's going to benefit out of that is the person you're giving the money to but and also about how in tune you are with new ways of working and learning and, and updating and your, your experience and and you know and, and appreciating you know you don't know it all but you, you've got to keep acting as a sponge and uh, mm. uh, absorbing all these things around us so thank you very much for that that's really appreciated and um this is you know in a line of series of podcasts and uh, youtube videos of people discussing their careers and um hope everyone that's watched this and listens to this uh, has enjoyed has enjoyed that so so ruby thank you very much for that and um i look forward to speaking to you soon Okay, thank you. All right, thank you.